Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. Welcome to Week 10, County Week 10 of Shark Sports Radio. Alongside of me is Andrew Gifford. He goes by Giffy. And it's obviously yours truly, Mark Loisel Jr. here, a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. Thank you all for your patience as I return from a small hiatus. Uh, went on some you know different trips and got to see you know the U.S. in different lights. So it was really cool. And uh, Giffy, thanks for joining tonight. Yeah, no problem, man. Doubt, no doubt. So, we got a big thing coming up on Thursday. It's a huge event. Everybody knows about it. Um, NBA draft is on Thursday at the Barclays Center, aka home of Kyrie Irving in the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, I said it. I said it. Kyrie Irving in the Brooklyn Nets. And actually, there's a report just breaking now. Funny we say that. Kyrie likely going to the Nets. Celtics preparing. For strong scenario, Horford and Kyrie leave this offseason. So that's just breaking, Geffy. I just broke that news right here. Ooh, well, I mean, that, that frees up some cat space for you guys to go after, you know, a, a higher-level free agent. Because now, you don't have Hayward, but that's kind of your only max contract. So now that can open you up to, you know, potentially go after some guys to, you know, to fit in with, uh, with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and maybe you re-sign Scary Terry. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I think that that makes sense to fit the pieces, bring the band back together, as they always say, even though I hate that stupid cliche. Um, so we got Zion Madness this week. And the reason why I say that is because everybody thinks it's Zion going number one. He's going to be the best player in the draft, and he's going to be the best player for years to come. We'll get to that point, but we're going to talk about the solid top five as well. Um, I do think it's... A fairly deep draft. It's not the best draft, but you know, there's most certainly guys that are versatile and can get it done. So um, we're going to walk through the top 10, Giffy and myself. I'm going to take the evens. Giffy will take the odds. So with that being said, the honors and floor is all yours, my friend. Well, so a little bit of background on, on how we kind of came up with this. So we're going to talk about the draft, and then we're going to be like, all right, so what's the easiest way to do this? So I was like, all right, let's figure out an easy way to do it. Take five, I'll take five. I'm like, all right, do you want odds or evens? And you're like, I'll take evens. Basically, here on my notes, I have four letters Z I O N. That's it. Um, you know, I mean, it's a slam dunk pick for um, for New Orleans, you know, especially coming off of the trade with uh, Anthony Davis, them getting a King's Ransom in return um, to match, you know, uh, Zion up with Drew Holiday, Ikipo, uh, Brandon Ingram. Know, who knows what he can give him after you know the Pope blood cost scare. Um, Lonzo, I like Lonzo and I like uh, Drew Holiday in the same backcourt. I think they actually complement each other pretty well. And then you throw Zion into the mix, and then who knows if they keep number four um, or if they you know try to flip that for somebody else. Um, but yeah, Zion all day long, twice on Sunday. You know, a little undersized, um, but a powerful guy can definitely get in and finish around the rim. I uh, don't know if he'll be able to extend out to NBA three-point land. I know he was, I think he was mid-30s um, in the year at Duke shooting threes. But, you know, probably one of the highly highest-touted prospects since LeBron, I would say, or maybe Anthony Davis. Great. Uh, yep. Slam dunk pick for, for, the, uh, for the Pelicans. And then, you know, that uh, will hopefully get them to, uh, you know, come out and see more games because I think their attendance sucked throughout the regular season. So hopefully that kind of, 
gives him a shot in the arm and slams on the pick for New Orleans. Yeah, I think that's a foregone conclusion. I mean, obviously, he's going to be the unanimous number one pick, but I, I just I look at him as rich man's Josh Smith. I think he's going to be better, obviously, than Josh Smith, but the fact that he can't shoot, um, I always say in this age of NBA, you need to be able to shoot the rock because, you know, different d- defensive schemes. I mean, you saw it um, against uh, Central Florida. Like, the guy just struggled because, I mean, I wouldn't say struggled, obviously getting to the hoop, he didn't. But I'm saying shooting-wise, he seemed to just try to pressure it too much and try to, you know, push the envelope when he didn't really need to. Um, but uh, hands down, I agree with you. I think Zion, you know, is, you know, the class of, of this year's draft. I just think if I'm looking at potential – I'd rather take a guy, you know, which we'll get into, a guy like R.J. Barrett or John Morant. But the the Pelicans want to put asses in the seats, and that's the only way to do it. That being said, John Morant's going number two for me. That That's just an easy decision. To take the money off the books, I always look at, it's funny, I always look at the NBA draft more so than any other as looking at the future of the team, not the future of the prospect. So, it's all about the team. So if the team can benefit from bringing in a young guy who's could potentially be better than Mike Conley Jr., and on the flip side, you get assets for Marc Gasol, and now you got assets for Mike Conley, you can start building your future off on the right foot. Rather than going in, you know, having John Morant and Mike Conley play together, kind of butt heads, you know, even though everybody says that, you know, Conley would be a mentor, I get it, but Conley also wants to play. He's been in the league, and so is John Morant because he has the talent. So I just think that wouldn't be a good mix. But I will say that they will get a lot of value from Mike Conley from the Jazz, Pistons, or Pacers. Even the Celtics are out there asking. Um, So I do think that John Morant will be number two pick, and I can't say that any other player would be up to that number two spot. It's going to be John Morant. Yeah, I mean, I agree on that. I mean, he's definitely a surefire number two. Um, back to your Zion point, though. I mean, I don't know what we can say as far as his potential. Obviously, you know, he had a, he had a killer season to do. But I will say as far as he can't shoot and he kind of, you know, overpressured against Central Florida and, 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 you know, down the stretch. To be fair, Coach K basically did a give Zion the ball and get everybody else out of the way. So especially when you put a pressure, you put that type of pressure on him, you know, negative tendencies are going to show because he's going to shoot the ball, you know, 20, 25 times a game, you know, in the tournament. Right. So as far as that goes, I mean, I don't think that he's going to be in a scenario, whether he stays with the Pelicans his entire career or whether he goes somewhere else, I don't think he's going to be put in a position to where he's going to have to shoot from the outside, you know, five to seven times a game. I think the offense is going to be, you know, be able to run through him, but his pros are going to outweigh his cons. And I think that it, it, it's tough to say from that. Who knows? He might get an outside shot, but I think he'll be more, um, he'll be used better because the talent around him will hopefully be better. So I think he'll be able to be used in more of an efficient way, given that obviously you're going to the big leagues, you're going to the NBA, and there's going to be more shooters and more playmakers around him. I'm not hating the fact that he can't develop his own shot. He can most certainly do so. But when it comes to, you know, shooting three-pointers or, you know, even shooting a 14-foot shot, I feel like, you know, he just doesn't have that kind of ability to create his own shot. And if you're going to be the number one pick, if you're going to be the number one pick and be that explosive dude, you got to do more than just do that. But, again, he's young. We'll see how he develops. LeBron had issues early on where he couldn't develop a jump shot, but he did it. Giannis is the same way. Giannis likes to take it in a hoop and dunk on everyone. We'll see what his development's looking like. So, And right now, I mean, he's shooting some threes, Giannis. So we'll see what Zion's made of. Um, but who do you have going number three? So I have – so I'm kind of going through um, the odds here. And, and so I have three different players for uh, – Spot and I'll go over them quickly and then ultimately kind of you know come up with who I think not will but maybe should go number three just based upon you know based upon uh, team fit and just based upon where I think maybe they should go. So the three names I have here are 
Uh, Darius Garland, the point guard from Vanderbilt. Love it. Kobe White. Yep. And then um, Jarrett Culver, the forward from Texas Tech. And also R.J. Barrett. Um, it's hard for me to put a guy third uh, as far as R.J. Barrett's concerned because he can't dribble with his right hand yet. And that's a problem. Huge problem. It's a simple thing. I, I understand, you know, he's an athlete. You know, he's going to go top five in the draft. Obviously, he can probably adapt. However, when he can't dribble with his right hand yet, that's a giant red flag for me. And I think, especially from the Knicks' perspective, you know, potentially, you know, swinging and missing on, well, not swinging and missing, but not letting the, not having the, the lottery balls go their way and not getting a top two pick with either Zion or Ja Moran. I think you have to, at this point, you know, maybe swing for the fences a little bit and kind of get more eyeballs on your team and create a little bit of buzz. I don't know how much buzz that RJ Barrett creates. So I'm actually going to go with Darius Garland, um, point guard from Vanderbilt, uh, as the third pick. Um, obviously, super athlete, super explosive. Um, can't, you know, can shoot, but he's more of a playmaker and his athletic ability. It kind of uh, out, kind of outweighs his his basketball skill as of right now. But you know as well as I do, yes. the Knicks are a point guard rich franchise, and they haven't had a good point guard for a very long time. And specifically, coming from a city such as New York City, where all the, the the famous or a lot of the famous point guards have come from, yeah, I think that this pick will you know, kind of hopefully bring back a lot of the uh, momentum and a lot of the kind of, you know, fans that were, um, you know, in the 60s. The aura. Yeah, the aura. Yeah. 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 Bring back the aura of the Knicks. So um, I'm going to go with Darius Garland 3 to the Knicks. I think it's a little bit of a home run pick, but I think that, you know, their point guard situation right now, is not very good. Dennis Smith Jr., he's not a point guard. He's more of an off guard. He's more of a, of a I think that Darius Garland and Dennis Smith Jr. is a really good base. And I think that you can kind of, you know, uh, work with that moving forward. So I'm going to go Darius Garland 3. Now, I am sh- beyond shocked. Beyond shocked. Because we talked about this at, you know, lunch today. It, it just didn't seem like you were a huge fan of Garland because he played for Vanderbilt. Now, I understand why you picked him at this pick because I do think he is the second best point guard in this draft, and I think he might be the third best player in this draft. Now, do I think he'll thrive in the New York system? Well, I I do think with you know Fizdale running the joint now, um, you know, and possibly with you know Kevin Durant in the mix, he's going to need a facilitator, a combo guard that can do it both ways. But I still think that the the consensus pick on this is R.J. Barrett, just be. Yeah. You know, just because of, you know, the hype and glamour of, you know, this kind of guy. And you're going with the smart pick. I, I totally, totally understand. But if you want, you know, big time name, jersey selling, you know, people in the seats, you got to go R.J. Barrett with this pick. And I, I think R.J. Barrett's a little bit of a better, obviously better creator, like scorer. Um, you know, creating his own shots. I wouldn't say cr- facilitator-wise. I think Garland has it more, but I think when it's all said and done, you got to go with the second Duke guy uh, and number three. But I'm not hating on that Garland pick because you know how much I like him. Um, no, I, I totally get it, and I think too. Um, you know, just from looking at everything and from doing research, um, I, I I've kind of fallen out of um, not that I was you know ever enthralled with RJ Barrett. He's a solid player, and I think he's going to be a really solid NBA player. But I think that especially when you're the Knicks and you've sucked for so long and also, too, with the Kevin Durant injury, um, kind of, you know, uh, kind of putting a damper on things, yep. potentially signing him and him being out for a full year. I think from this now, if Kevin Durant is healthy and he's going to the Knicks, I probably look at this as picking R.J. Barrett number three and going to the Knicks. OK, Whatever. yep. With everything kind of being downtrodden and being kind of somber when it comes to Kevin Durant, when it comes to the Knicks in general, I think what you have to do here is try and, like I said, bring the aura back, get a get a point guard with a lot of upside, and you know what? Look, if he's Russell Westbrook with a better attitude, 
that's still a pretty good ceiling for that pick. Yeah. So I think that you try and you know swing a little bit more for the fences, and even if you do sign Kevin Durant and he's out for a year, maybe Garland can develop into you know with a year under his belt. Then KD comes on board afterwards. I just think you kind of have to try to go for a little bit more of a home run pick. I totally understand Barrett. I think he's solid. I think he's a solid player. But I think just given the state of the Knicks, given the state of KD, I think um, yeah. I mean, I think Darius Garland is 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 more of a uh, of a flashier pick and maybe get some you know give a shot in the arm to the franchise. So number four pick, barring a trade, you know, from a team. I think a team at this point. So if I were to give you my pick, that would have been RJ Barrett, right? Um, I think Darius Garland will be a player that teams will trade up to at number four because of his his presence. Um, he is very valuable, which the Pelicans will quite see to move back or to u- utilize that as an asset. But a player that I think that may you know come into play at this pick is DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter could arguably be probably the sec. I think DeAndre Hunter could be second best in this draft. And the reason why I say that is because I want winners when I'm building a franchise. I want guys that have been in the moment. The guy posted 27 points and nine rebounds in the final game. I mean, he had ice in his veins down the stretch. It was him versus Jared Culver. Obviously, you know, they had Ty Jerome, you know, facilitating the basketball. But if I want a guy that can create my own shot, you know, you know, play different uh, players on, on defense, he reminds me of a Siakam kind of player. So I, I honestly think, you know, he could his ceiling is very, very high, and he's only 21 years old. Obviously, every single year he's been at Virginia, they've exceeded. So I think he's been a big, big presence on that team. And I think he'll fulfill those shoes wherever he goes. Whatever team wants to trade off for this guy, he's going to be worth it. But if the Pelicans keep this pick and they go, you know, uh, Hunter and Zion, which I don't see that happening. But if they do, that's a great pick. And I think, like I said, I think he's top tier in this draft for a reason. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, if they go – Zion one and, and DeAndre Hunter four. I mean, honestly, DeAndre Hunter three and D guy. Uh, like you said, coming from a, a winning background, and I think that and actually, I almost like that fit a lot for New Orleans because you're not really sure what you're going to get from Brandon Ingram. You're not sure if he's going to come back from you know. You're not sure when he's going to come back from the blood clot situation, and they really don't have another you know six seven six eight guy to kind of have be that three or maybe a small four. Julius Randle opted out. Who knows where he's going to go. So as far as kind of a sure thing, I kind of like the pick, and I kind of hope to maybe see him hang on to it, even though, you know, they would try and flip it or, or, or trade uh, picks and move back. But, yeah, that's, that's I think that's a solid pick for him. Yeah, and a player to watch out for, as everybody probably well know, you know, already knows and you know as well, Bradley Beal is who they covet. And – I think they're trying to get a head start to this. And if they do land Bradley Beal and put Zion together, man, that would be a tight fit. But, again, if they go DeAndre Hunter, they keep the pick. I'm totally aboard with that, just like you said. So, uh, take number five. So, um, I think for me, um, and I'm going to go a little bit outside of the box on this one. Uh, I have Brandon Clark from Gonzaga, and I have Grant, uh, Grant Williams from Tennessee. Now, this is a little bit outside of the box, so to speak, but my thought process behind it is that obviously the Cavs just got John Beeline as a head coach, and I think that the guys, he has some headaches on his team right now. He's got J.R. Smith. Uh, he's got Tristan Thompson. He's got a lot of guys who are offensively talented, Jordan Clarkson. Um, and uh, I think that for him, I think he – give him – the first piece to work with from a perspective of where he's used to it, right? So he's used to developing college-age guys, blue-collar guys, hard-working guys. Um, so I think that to, to, to – and I think I'm going to go with Grant Williams on this one because not only uh, undersized power forward, but can rebound the ball, he's tough, um, you know, <clears throat> and I think that – but he's also got a lot of playmaking ability from either the low block – or the elbow, good passer out of the post. 
you know, good big guy setting up other, you know, um, wings and other shooters around him. Now, yes, they do have some headaches, but they do have a lot of offensive, um, you know, forward guys. Like I said, J.R. Smith, um, you know, Jordan Clarkson. So I think that um, I think that this would actually be a pretty easy transition for him uh, to make coming from again a collegiate program where he's he's used to developing young guys. So I actually think Grant Williams would be a good pick here um, for making the transition from beeline from the college to the pros a little bit less difficult. Yeah, I don't think it's much of a stretch with Brandon Clark. I do think it's a huge stretch for Grant Williams, but I get why you chose him. You know, because he's gritty and he can he's very versatile. I, I, I was kind of joking because when Jim Bayline got, um, you know, hired by um, Cleveland, it was like a guy in a nursing home going to a place where there was, you know, just annoying little kids around him. And I, I think J.R. Smith is definitely annoying. So he's really like an individual that just wants to shoot the rock all the time. And it just it, it's not team oriented. Um, I can also see. It's funny that you mentioned Brandon Clark because I think Brandon Clark would fit perfectly. So if 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 I was Cleveland, right, and I'm looking at the board, why not trade back? Why not trade back, go for a guy that and, and, and try to get as much as you can. Like, for instance, like the Hawks are trying to move up, right? You know, the Hawks could package the eighth pick and the tenth pick for, you know, the number five pick. I, I can ultimately see that happening if it if it makes sense for the Hawks. Um, but at the same token, I do think that Cleveland will need some kind of gritty guy. You know, Jarrett Culver just doesn't do it for me. Um, as weird as that sounds, he just doesn't at, in Cleveland. I don't think he fits their system. So yeah, I like that pick. I'll roll with number six here. Okay. Number six, we have the Phoenix Suns. I will say Phoenix needs a guy that can facilitate distribute the ball well um a defender because phoenix really doesn't have that presence at the point guard position and a guy i'm gonna go with is colby white out of uh, unc the reason why the biggest reason why i would say is he shot 80 percent from the free throw line last year if you can have a point guard that passes the ball well has a vision on the court that that is uncanny, which Kobe White has shown throughout his time in UNC. Regardless of his fro, he could still see the court. He has the ability be, to become a playmaker while getting to the hoop. And if he gets fouled, you have a lot of confidence in him making his free throws. And he's a very versatile defender. He's great size. I think he's 6'4", 6'5" for a point guard, which is really rare, I would say, in, in the NBA. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Kobe White. He posted um, 16 points, four rebounds, and four assists uh, per game last season. So, I'm going on with the, that guy. Just in the tournament, I think a, a lot of times he was very loose with the ball, um, a lot of careless turnovers. Um, and, you know, if he's turning over the ball a lot, especially down the stretch, you know, in the, in the tournament, in the NCAA tournament, you know, a lot of guys are going to pick his pocket of the pros. So I think his ball handling has to get a little bit better. Sure. Um, I like his pace. Yep. Um, and he's a pretty good threat from three-point land. I think if you pair him up with Booker um, and then you kind of get some other pieces, you know, maybe some other, you know, second or third tier free agents who are maybe looking to prove themselves to get a bigger deal, um, you know, in Phoenix, yeah, I, I think it's a good pick. So, yeah, I, I have no qualms with Awesome. Take number seven also had Kobe White down for um, you know, Chicago. You know, they have Zach Levine. He's not really a point guard. He likes to put it up. He's more of a scoring guy, so I think they probably could have coexisted. Um, they got, you know, a new coach in there, Jim Boylan. Um, seems like, you know, it seems like anything can be an upgrade over Fred Hoiberg. It was like weekend at Bernie's with that guy. <laughs> you never tell. Never tell what type of emotion that he had. Never, you can never tell with that guy. He wasn't sure if he was coaching or not, or what have you. But you know, obviously, it was a little bit of a comical start. You know, the, the players complaining when Boylan took over, as far as the long practices and what have you. But actually, down the stretch, they played pretty well. I think the last 20, 25 games of the, of the year, I think they were at five hundred or close. So, yep. definitely trending in the right direction. Um, 
the two names I have down here, um, and this is two ways that they could go. I have um, uh, the Sekou uh, Dumboya from the forward from France. France, yep. And I have, yep, and I have Cam Reddish. Now, there's two ways that they can go. If they go with uh, Dumboya, which, you know, I, can you just hear Dumboya, Booya? Booya. If they go with Dumboya, he's a very rough, very um, moldable clay sort of guy. He's got the length. He's got the size. He's got, from what I've read, his, his lateral defensive ability isn't great, but he's an athlete. Now, kind of going from this to, you know, um, Siakam for, for Toronto or Giannis, Giannis coming out. Yeah. Very, very rough. Um, a lot of good athletic ability. You know, he's definitely dunking on guys, but he's playing in Europe, so you got to take that with a grain of salt. So if he goes to the Bulls, he doesn't need the ball. With a team like the Bulls, where you have Zach Levine, you have Otto Porter, you have Markkanen, you have a lot of guys who, who, who are going to get shots. If you put a guy in there who doesn't need a lot of shots but can do a lot of the other stuff, more athletic, more rim protector, more you know run and dunk and rebound sort of a guy, I think it actually makes sense for a fit. Now, if you go the other way and you go Cam Reddish here, then you're basically, you know, you're, you're trying to do your own miniature, you know, JV version of the Houston Rockets. Bomb away, shoot 30, 35 threes a game. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. It doesn't work. Yeah, I, it's, well, exactly. But, you know, parity is in the NBA as well, and there's a lot of people taking threes, and there's a lot of teams who, who like to take threes, including your Celtics, by the way. Yeah, I know. Um, They're terrible so, at it. Yeah, so... I think I'm actually going to go with Dumboya here at seven, um, just because I think, you know, again, it could be a poor man's Giannis, it could be a poor man's Siakam, but I think that a guy who doesn't need the ball on this team and then and who can do everything else well or, or has the potential to do everything else well as more of a complimentary piece, I think that's actually the smart pick here. So I'm going to go with Saku Dumboya um, for the... I'm, I'm calling Booyah because I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, that's a great pick, to be honest with you. I, I like his raw talent, like his ability. I think he's very versatile. I agree. I, I think teams now looking at it, like Luka Doncic, you know, you look at Giannis, you look at, you know, Siakam, a lot of teams, you're going to have to start taking chances because these guys are becoming stars. And the, it seems like the development for these foreign players are a lot easier than a guy coming straight out of college. So I to, I'm totally, um, you know, thumbs up with that pick. I like it a lot. I'm glad you didn't use Cam Reddish for this pick because I'm using him for Atlanta. And, and the reason why I want to use him for Atlanta is because I think Atlanta could potentially start Splash Brothers 2.0. You know, they, they have Trey Young, who could potentially be Steph Curry-esque. I'm not saying he's going to be, but... He has the potential to be because, and he could be a better ball handler as well. But I will say that Cam Reddish, it's going to come down to his work ethic. He's going to have to get motivated somehow. It doesn't seem like he really, he's too soft-spoken. He doesn't have that that grit, that mentality. I I really want him to, to invest in that because if he can shoot the rock and then he can play defense and be a two-way player kind of like Clay Thompson is that's why I would say this is Splash Brothers 2.0 potential they have the ability to really shoot the rock they could shoot close to 35 to 40 percent this year they could be that damn good but the issue I'm going to have is his motor will Trey Young allow Cam Reddish to thrive in this system and be his right hand man you know, he could be the Batman and Cam Reddish could be the Robin. But the issue that I have with Cam Reddish, I'm always going to go back to it, is his work ethic. Does he want to put in the work to succeed in the NBA? And that's the only question I have for this guy. Other than that, he might have to find the ability to, you know, create his own shot. But it's his motor. It's his it's his motive why he's in the NBA. Yeah, I see. I think Reddish is, is one of the most polarizing guys uh, in the draft because you, you, you saw times during the 
um, Duke season where, you know, Zion got hurt and it was reddish and it was R.J. Barrett. And he had some pretty good games. Um, but I get a little bit nervous when a guy is out there on the floor, but you forget that he's out there. Exactly. He would go five, six, seven minutes with, you know, touching the ball, but not even putting up a shot. Right. And if that's going to be something that he's done in college, I, you know, you can only assume that something somehow that would translate into the pros. Totally agree. Uh, I, I agree with you that there are the potential makings of, you know, a, a good backcourt. I'm not going to say Splash Brothers because, you know, but I, I think that there is a good base there. However, look, you, if a guy's going to disappear, his compete level, look, there have been some guys who, you know, their compete level out of college, they've been questioned, they've been really good, um, you know, down the stretch, but or when they go into the NBA. But I think that, I think you got to take the chance because I also think, too, especially in Atlanta, um, you know, you got Trey Young. I think if you do that, it, you know, Georgia, it, it's a collegiate town. Yeah, they have the Atlanta Braves and yeah, they have the Hawks, but uh, specifically those, you know, fan bases, there's not a lot of fans that go to either the Braves or the Hawks games unless they're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I think you take a guy from, um, you know, from Duke, from Carolina, you put him in Atlanta, you put him in a college territory, and then you, you know, hopefully get some butts and seats. So I think ultimately, I think I'm fine with it. One issue that I have, though, and I brought this up in my notes here, and he reminds me too much of Ben McLemore. Um, I I just think he he just has the, you know, just the not he doesn't want it. Like he just doesn't seem like you want it. When you say he doesn't play in games, you know, mentally, I agree with you. You know, we're we're not focusing on Cam Reddish when we should be because he is a talent. Um, you know, take the reins with Washington. Who are they drafting? Um, all right. So this one is a little bit more out of the box as well. Um, I'm actually going to go with Romeo Langford from Indiana. Love it. Love it. So, and so the reason why I'm I'm, going to take this is because Bradley Beal is a guy who may be on his way out. Yeah. Obviously there's a lot of talks as far as potentially, New Orleans flipping the number four pick for Bradley Beal. Celtics. You know, somebody, you know, somebody, someone going after him. But again, if you're looking at it from your fan base's perspective, it, one you know theme that's woven throughout all of these teams, for the most part, are fan bases that are down on the team. So how do you sell this to your franchise? How do you sell this to your season ticket holders? Well, to maybe just you know kind of come out of left field and go with Romeo Langford. He's very. He's being a lot of the same things that are being said about Romeo Langford have been said about Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal's turned into a very, you know, uh, high score, you know, a good three point shooter and a consistent go to guy in this league. So I think if you draft him, that is kind of a telltale sign. Not necessarily that we're going to trade Bradley Beal, but if we do, this might be the guy to take him over. Um, you know, Langford shot. A little bit inconsistent. Um, his his consistency was a little bit inconsistent. Um, I think he's a little small for um, the position, but I think the potential is there, and I think it's how you flip it to your franchise. So I'm gonna go uh, Romeo Langford at nine to the Wizards. Yeah, I think he fits out the system extremely well, especially if you know John Wall comes back, um, which he he won't come back this year, obviously. But I'm saying back with the Washington Wizards, you know, healthy and ready to go. I can see him. I can see Robey and Langford being like a, you know, Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford kind of player with a little bit of defense on it on his side. Um, you know, he he has the knack of scoring the ball, so I don't mind that pick whatsoever. A guy that the Atlanta Hawks need, I'll take number ten here, is Jackson Hayes. There is not a better fit for Atlanta than Jackson Hayes. Okay, Atlanta was the worst defense defensive team last year allowing 119 points per game and opponents uh, shot 48%. 48% from the field allowed 119 points per game. Hayes has the presence, just the presence. Like, don't give me Deadman. Deadman is not, you know, your, your NBA prototype player. He's a good player coming off the bench. He shouldn't be your starter. Who should be your starter is a guy that can 
rebound the ball, block shots, have a presence. Like he could be Jackson Hayes could be Willie Cauley Stein. He could be exactly like Willie Cauley Stein. He's six eleven. He's got great size. He's got a knack for the rebounds in the paint. You know, he can guard multiple positions. I really think this is like this is if they do draft him, it would be an A plus grade because they need that presence in the paint. And I'll tell you what, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, and Trey Young, that's not a bad three to build upon. Obviously, you need more pieces. But, hey, I, I would take Jackson Hayes. You know, he, he averaged 10 points, five rebounds, and two blocks. Two blocks per game. Sign me up with this guy. He can play defense. Yeah, I actually like the pick, too, because, you know, um, for as gifted offensively as Reddish and Trey Young might be, that's a defensive sim waiting to happen defensively. And, and I think that... Um, if you're going to take 8 and 10, if you're going to go offense, you've got to focus on, you know, at least some sort of a rim protector, rebounder, gritty defensive guy at 10 to kind of counteract, um, you know, counteract, you know, Cam Reddish and Trey Young's, you know, lack of defensive ability. So I actually, I really like that a lot. Um, I had him, um, you know, on my, on my list, but, uh, yeah, I think that, I think that's a great pick. Yeah, and if I were to like compare him, he could be as low as Willie Colley signed, but he could be as high as Clint Capella. And I mean, at pick number ten, that's pretty damn good. So um, that being said, there are players in this draft gift that we did not talk about that I want to just break down, you know, fairly quickly here. Um, players to keep an eye on. Who, who are your players? You know what? I got to say, uh, just based upon where the – and again, this depends upon the type of fit. But I think that – and again, you're probably going to be like, you stole my thunder. But I actually think Tyler Hero is a guy to look at. Only because, it, it, again, it's a league of three-pointers, and he's got to be put in the right spot. If, if there's a guy, um, you know, where are we took it at, 14, 15? Yep. You know, I think the Celtics could definitely take him um, with one of their picks. Um, you know, I think Detroit, you know, could potentially take him with, with, with their pick. Um, I think that if there's a, if there's a team with a big guy presence or, you know, some creators, I think he can definitely be effective. Um, so I would say Tyler Hero and you know what, for as much as, is he's been, I think thought of as maybe a little soft and a little too finesse, I think Rui Hachimura can, can definitely be an asset to a team. Um, and again, it's got to be the right fit. And, and again, when you're kind of going past the top ten and you're going into the you know 15 to 20 uh, range, it's got to be the right fit. But I think that offensively, he's very skilled, very good around the basket. Um, you know, defensively, definitely you know work on that as far as his toughness, as far as his rebounding. Uh, he's undersized, but I think that if you're if there's a team um, you know that's looking to do maybe a small ball lineup and he can be a small ball four. I think he can be effective as well. So I, I think that, um, yeah, Hachimura and Hero are probably my, you know, two guys who are kind of outside the top 10 and within the 15 to 20 range that can, you know, definitely be good, but it's got to be the right fit. Yeah, and when we're talking about these type of teams, these are teams that were close to making it to the playoffs or possibly even made it to the playoffs. Um, and I like Tyler Hero. I think that's a great one. And, and uh, Rui out in Gonzaga – um, is a strong candidate as well. A couple of players for me, I like Bull Bull just because of his potential. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, he's going to be like the rest of the guys that, you know, we, we call the lengthy, you know, superstars. I, I think he has a lot of growing to do and he has his foot injury, so he's going to have a lot of development, um, you know, issues. But I will say as far as like, his potential, I'm, I would take a shot at him, you know, anywhere from 14 to 20 um, because I don't think he's going to be around, you know, in, in the early 20s, late 20s. Um, I think he's an extremely versatile player, can score the ball at ease. You know, he's seven feet, very, um, very uh, fundamentally sound. He can dribble the basketball extremely well. Um, another player that I will give you, and I'll give you another one as well, Kevin Porter, okay, Kevin Porter, for some reason, you know, people just hate on all, you know, the guys that do do wrong, and I get it, especially with him, you know, going through college and, you know, having to deal with, 
what what he did. Everybody knows that he got arrested and he got suspended and everything. But if we're talking based on talent, this guy could be an easily, easily top five pick, top ten pick in this draft. And the only reason why he's falling back is because he has off-court issues. But as we know, over the course of time, you mature, right? Maturity is a part of the game. It's part of the mental game. It's part of the coaching game, too. So not only does the coaches coach you, but you coach yourself. And you coach yourself to uh, excel and, and succeed in the NBA. And if he, if he can't do it, then you wasted you know, uh, a 20, 20th pick. But in my eyes, he's true talent. He can find his own basket. He can dribble like no other in the open court. He reminds me a little bit like Jalen Brown. Obviously, Jalen's a righty. Kevin Porter's a lefty. But I can see a little bit in his you know, shot creating. I can see a little bit of James Harden in him. Um, he does have the ability to get to the hoop with ease. He, he's explosive, like I said, elusive around the basket. So one other guy I want to give you, and I think this is going to be my favorite guy coming out of the draft. I really do. He kind of reminds me of Paul Pierce. Is P.J. Washington. P.J. Washington is a gamer. In my eyes, if I want a guy, you know, coming off the bench or even starting, you know, at the small forward, power forward position, it's P.J. Washington. This guy brought it every single game for Kentucky. And if I'm looking at a team that's on the cusp of making the playoffs, I'm taking a true shot at this guy. And a team that I could definitely, you know, maybe even go for is the Miami Heat. I think the Heat could possibly pick up P.J. Washington and he could fit in perfectly. And then he can honestly just, you know, post anywhere from 18 to 22 points per game. He'll give you, you know, five to six rebounds per game. He's definitely a guy I would certainly take a shot on. And, I mean, between Bol Bol, Kevin Porter, and P.J. Washington, those three players, man, they could be huge sleepers. They could be like Paul George. They could be like Giannis. They could be like, you know, uh, Damian Lillard in the draft. And, you know, I wouldn't sleep on, you know, the small um, type of players as well. Like Tyler Hero, if, you know, if, if, he, if he can shoot the rock, like you said, he could be very valuable to a team that's on the cusp of making the playoffs as well. So I think we have a lot of players to watch, obviously, in the draft. But if we're talking star potential, don't count on some guys that have been through injuries or had off-court issues because I'm going to guarantee they're going to make you surprised when they play in the NBA. Yeah, I, I think my only thing with, with, with Porter, and I'm going to use another USC alum and, and OJ Mayo for the comparison, because I just uh, – it, it, you have now, you know – O.J. Mayo, did he, I don't think he had the serious off-the-court issues that Kevin Porter did. Um, I can see the Harden comparison. I just, God, there's just something about the time that he missed and even the time that, you know, he was potentially back. It just didn't see, and again, there's distractions. There's, you know, legal stuff going on. I get it, but I, I just, I think he's going to be more of an O.J. Mayo than, than, than a star. Uh, he might be. A guy who bounces around, has four or five teams throughout his career, and if he, he has the talent to, to be around a while, I just I'm, I'm, I think there's just giant red flags there. Um, as far as Bull Bull, um, yeah, I mean, stash him. You know, I, I think, you know, for a team that, you know, potentially, um, you know, maybe even he drops a little bit further and maybe Portland gets him. Who knows? Yeah. I know they have, yeah. you know, I, I know they have Nurkic, but you know, if you can have a, another guy maybe to come off the bench and to, you know, give Nurkic a rest, you know, once in a while, maybe, you, like I said, maybe you draft him. He's not going to play right away. Maybe you stash him. Um, and for me, P.J. Washington, I think his biggest thing, because he's undersized, um, is going to be his ability to guard the pick and roll and to be able to keep up with speedier guys and to keep up with guards. I think if he's able to do that, I think he can definitely be an asset um, but, you know, if you're a defensive sieve, you're not going to catch a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of court time. So I think his biggest thing is going to be able to adjust to, you know, guarding the pick and roll, guarding guys like, you know, Steph Curry, uh, Bradley Beal, um, you know, uh, others, you know, Kyrie Irving, wherever he plays, 
um, speedier point guards, speedier shooting guards, you know, off of the pick and roll. If he can keep those guys in front of him and be good defensively, I think he can be a good player. Yeah, and I think I think you're right when it comes to his size. I always say like, you know, even though you have a knack for scoring or you you know, have a defensive mindset, you know, your size doesn't matter. I mean, you know, if you're talking six seven, six nine power forward, they really don't last. They become you know energy guys. And you know, a guy that kind kind of comes to my mind too is kind of like a Draymond Green. I mean, Draymond Green doesn't score the ball, but as well as like you know Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, but he brings that presence. He takes charges. I, I think I see the same thing in kind of PJ Washington that can be a really good asset, like you said, uh, moving forward for any franchise that's struggling to find you know some kind of heart camaraderie. So um, that being said, Giff, what do you think of Thursday? What do you what do you think is going to happen? Um, gosh, well, I mean. At this point, I want just all our draft picks to be right. Um, you know, I think that I think there is definitely some trades coming. Um, you know, I, I think that it seems like New Orleans wants to move on from that fourth pick. They will. Yeah. They will. Or you know, they they, they trade down and, and maybe get eight and ten from Atlanta, or they try to use that and go get another kind of mid mid tier guy to add more of a veteran guy to their roster. You know. Uh, in addition to Zion and, and, and Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday, um, I think they'll definitely move down or at least trade the pick. Um, and I just I think there are some other trades coming. I really do. I don't know where. I don't know when. Um, but I think that just based upon, you know, the um, the free agents that are going to be out there and, just, and also the crazy shit that happened with, you know, KD and Klay Thompson getting hurt, it's just been a wonky and Toronto winning the title and you know it just there's been such such an array of wonky things that have happened over the past three four weeks Two and kind of an easy transition from what we talked about earlier kicking off the offseason with you know Anthony Davis getting traded blockbuster deal I think more or are soon to follow and I don't know if they'll happen during the draft but I think more of them will be coming down the pike. Yeah, and I, I think you are totally right when it comes to the, the NBA this year. I think it was unexpected. But now, since Clay's out, since Durant's out, I think a lot of these teams are trying to counter for opportunity. You know, like the Lakers going after Anthony Davis, obviously they wanted, them the, wanted him the whole time, but this actually puts them possibly in contention if they get another, you know, a couple of guys because they don't have enough money to – you know, go for a max contract because they couldn't wait a couple of weeks. Um, but then also, I think that there will be a lot of movement in the top 10. And I think it's it's very important for the Knicks to understand that the mecca of basketball is getting old. Like the slogan of this is the mecca of basketball, everybody wants to come here. It won't necessarily be true until they take that corner and maybe RJ Barrett or you know Darius Garland helps them take that corner but for now they're on a very slippery slope and it's only going to get deeper because like you know James Dolan is not a great owner they don't have necessarily the fan base in which they should should have because they've gotten rid of a lot of players over the course of the years there's no loyalty so when I look at a good foundation to build upon as far as championship caliber team, they have a good coach. I think David Fisdale is a great coach. But the issue that I'm going to have is where will you find talent? Where are you going to find talent to mold the core and build upon it? Because it seems like every time you have a draft pick, you know, a couple of years later, you trade them away. They did that to Carmelo. They did that to Barniotti. They did, I mean, um, you know, they did, they did do it to Barnyani, but Barnyani played for the Toronto Raptors. But then you also have um, Christophe Porzingis. Yeah, Christophe Porzingis. So when does it become more consistent base to try to build upon what, you're, what you currently have rather than what if? And I think R.J. Barrett could possibly bring them over that, that little hump. And again, I'm going to say it, I think this year is probably the most profound offseason that we're going to see. And the reason why is because the parity in the league may become 
extremely, extremely relevant in the East because if Kawhi goes to L.A. with the Clippers, the West is going to be so freaking dominant and the East will be become, you know, the weaker. And maybe these young teams coming up in the rankings, you know, like the players like Embiid, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, Giannis, obviously, as these draft picks come about and they develop, maybe the East for the down the line becomes the better team as LeBron leaves and Curry leaves and Klay Thompson. But, I mean, Klay Thompson is not going anywhere for a little while. But that, I'm just saying that it seems like the growth in the East is getting weaker and the West is getting stronger. So this offseason is going to be most important because where's Kawhi going? Where's Durant going? You know, does um, – you know, uh, Kyrie go to Brooklyn. There's going to be a lot of pieces moving. So, uh, that being said, GIF, um, one, we're going to talk about this again because the off season's coming up, but what do you think as far as trades go, that's going to happen? Like one trade that you could possibly think of. before we leave here it's going to be tough very very tough for teams to, to try to get rid of their players that they signed high contracts for Gordon Hayward Boston's going to have a big big trouble um, trying to trade that contract Houston I, I know there's conflicting reports out there but if Houston wants to get rid of Chris Paul that seems to be not ideal for them as well. So a lot of these teams are going to be taking money out of their own pockets and trying to trade their own players that they signed up for for huge contracts, which definitely causes a concern, you know, as far as trying to build that that salary cap. So that being said, Gif, we appreciate you hopping on here. Um, the draft's coming up. We're really excited. We think that a lot of players are going to be on the move, obviously, to their respective teams. But we also think there's going to be a ton of movement. It's going to be a turning wheel, and it's only going to get tastier and tastier by the minute. So, um, again, appreciate you hopping on. All right. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. See you.